0: And here we go. <laughs> there we are. Welcome to Talking Heads, everyone. Episode 155, your once week live show for the latest in beer and tech news. I'm Jeff. I'm Rhett. Welcome to the show, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us on this Wednesday night. If you have never seen the show before, we talk beer, we talk tech, we talk games, pop culture, entertainment, usually some Star Trek. Uh... And I'm sure we do some more <laughs> than that. Uh, we do drink alcohol on the show. However, it is a family-friendly show in both language and content. If you're drinking along with us, alcoholic or not, please let us know down in the chat and we will give some early show shout-outs as we go along. Uh, all super chats are read on the air so long as they meet our family-friendly criteria and they are, in fact, encouraged. Please interrupt me with some super chats because, uh, well, helps keep the lights on around here and... Uh, Sometimes you add good points. Other times you make good jokes. Other times I can skip right over you. It really doesn't matter. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Oh, what else is there? Oh, uh, if you can't catch the live show, you can always catch the replay both on YouTube in video uh, form and uh, in podcast form, either on audible. Or crap, where are we at? Anchor.fm or wherever fine podcasts are found. Forgot our host there for a second. Anchor.fm. Uh, for replay of every Talking Heads, usually within the next 12 to 24 hours of us going live. Uh, what else do we got? If you want to join the super secret chat, you can uh, sign up for the Patreon down in the video description and get access to the exclusive Discord server where you can take part in the super secret chat during the show or keep the party going with the after party starting at 10 p.m. right after the show goes dark and uh, we usually go till about 11 30. So if you want a chance to video chat with myself, Rhett, John, Steve, all the hosts, all the awesome community that's over in the Discord. Uh, think about joining the Patreon. Minimum do- contribution of $1 per month. And uh, coming very, very soon, in fact, I'm just putting the finishing touches on the uh, the page, uh, you will also be able to join the Discord via Floatplane. Uh, and coming to float plane and patreon both is going to be some uh, exclusive content so we're gonna start adding more perks beyond just the uh the discord server so make sure you're subscribed to either one of those so you don't miss any craft computing content there we go well perfect no it wasn't perfect but it's it's an intro <laughs>
1: how's it going uh short-haired version of ret short-haired version of ret is doing great uh my time spent in the shower is down (laughs) um
0: time spent uh, in front of the mirror is up though you know making sure to you know pad that line a little bit i gotta
1: powder the line yep um yeah spend a little bit of extra time making sure the texture looks right you know because as i age there's less hair up there but it takes more time to look good so But yeah, otherwise things are going great as well as can be expected in these wild times. How about you?
0: Uh, Not too bad. Um, My hair is getting way out of control, but at this point I really don't care anymore. Um, (laughs) I found as long as this is somewhat managed, then uh, I look okay. Um, Such a delay between voice and vid. Uh, I'm just going to let it go because we'll see what happens. Sometimes YouTube screws it up, other times they don't. Other times it's screwed up during the show and synced up after other times it's not synced during or not synced dur- or synced during the show and then not synced after so we'll we'll see what happens yeah but uh doing fairly well uh made a run up to ikea today and that was always fun especially during this we spent about an hour and 45 minutes in ikea about an hour and 10 of which was spent in line uh both to get in the store and then to check out so, spent $500 going up there only to spend $100,
1: so... That's you know. the trap of Ikea.
0: <laughs> I know. While well, we're here, because I'm not driving back up for it.
1: <laughs> yep.
0: So, we got a new bookshelf, got a couple new chairs, got, you know... Finally starting to fill out the house. We are more unpacked in this house than I have I ever was in my last house in nine years. So, <laughs> I'm feeling pretty good about where we're at right now. That's good. Uh, finally... You know, actually settling into a place, have all furniture that matches—it's—it's it's a weird feeling for me.
1: <laughs> yeah, we're the same way. No.
0: So anyway, uh, let's go ahead and uh, open some beers, and then I've got some beer mail to get to. We've got a, a beer mail double feature.
1: Oh, <laughs>
0: yes. Uh, what are you drinking tonight, Rhett?
1: Well, uh, yeah, we may as well get the uh, uninspiring. Uh, beer out of the way, no, but uh, no,
0: you didn't. You we didn't. took a
1: poll. We took a poll. No, so it's didn't. not me. You can blame your patrons. You can blame um, uh, your mods. Uh, I'm dr- I'm drinking a big R to tonight. There it
0: is. <laughs> uh, taste the Cascades.
1: Heck yeah, baby! You got that fresh, fresh Yakima Valley hops. The uh, <laughs> R stands for RET. wait. They put hops in that yeah, they do. Surprising. Only like one per gallon of beer, but...
0: Yeah, just crack one over, over the, the vat.
1: <laughs> all right.
0: You know what's funny is I have RTX voice on you to get rid of some of the white noise, so I didn't hear the can
1: crack at all. Damn it. <laughs> it was, all right. <laughs> well, that's what drinking a Rainier is like anyway, so... Right, right. <laughs>
0: Cold Cascade refreshment. All right, let's see here. We've got a couple of uh, uh, beer shoutouts in the, the chat here already. Uh, Arturo says he's got his beer here, but he didn't tell us what it was. Uh, so when Floatplane goes live, we'll Talking heads be streamed on Floatplane 2. I haven't quite decided if I'm going to stream on both platforms. I will probably keep the general live streams just on YouTube because streaming to two platforms at the same time Number one gets a little bit messy. It's another chat that I have to keep track of. And there's really no benefit to streaming on one over the other. So if you're going to stream on either of them, you might as well just stream on YouTube because that's where the bigger audience is at. Um, So I'm I'm inclined to say no to that. But who knows? Um, Let's see. Cheers. We got Nice, uh, nice Cold, and Fresh Coronas. Uh, That's from uh, Arturo. Okay. Uh, Skull. Battle, uh, oh, uh, Skull says the battleground in the background. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. Second talking about yeah, yeah. book. I left yes. it out just
1: for Skull, so. <laughs> yep.
0: <laughs> uh, Steve's drinking uh, lemon water. Excellent. Like I said, doesn't have to be alcoholic as long as you got something in front of you. Uh, ben, drinking a root beer with, with absinthe. I can't say that I've ever had that combination, but I can't say that I'm not,
1: it sounds curious
0: good. about the the whole uh, sarsaparilla and licorice kind of kind of thing going on there. That could certainly
1: do well. Well, if you think about it, root beer without carbonation is just tea. So then you add that that right. absinthe flavor, and now you've got like a spiced tea thing going on.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Will I ever do a mechanical keyboard build for the channel? I may eventually do one. I do like mechanical keyboards. I've never ventured into building my own. And uh, as much as I like mechanical keyboards, I'm also a really big fan of value in in things. And so spending more than $35 on my Velocifier, you know, 88 key that sits right here on my streaming station, which is where I'm at most of the time, um, I can't think of a better workhorse than this has been, especially a build your own for less than 35 bucks. So... Maybe, (laughs) but we'll see. Uh, Novella, Anchorage Brewing. Ooh, Self-Destruct, DIPA, 8.4%. Excellent. Uh, Let's see. Uh, Against the Grain Brewing. Clearly, everybody wants some. Uh, Hazy IPA from Skull. Uh, Yeah. All right. Uh, I'm going to drink a beer from Novella Hub. Uh, It's the Shakopee or Shakopee. She could be brewing this is the herd of turtles. It is a chocolate vanilla and pecan Mm -hmm. uh, Imperial stout ten point three percent.
1: Wow, that sounds so good, right? I gotta tell you The hardest part about these remote shows is I'm over here drinking Uh near
0: (laughs) Right and here I am cracking a wax seal. Oh
1: man. Uh Uh-huh. I took our friendship for granted for so long, Jeff. <laughs> <sighs> uh, hey, cheers to uh, Jonathan T. sipping classic Budweiser. Cheers to you, buddy.
0: It's totally allowed. Unless John's on the show. And then we have a strict ban. <laughs> that's but what I guess that's only for on the in-person. In
1: yeah. almost Hmm. got this thing. Pepsi Max and Mango? Or Pepsi Max Mango? Is that like a flavor of Pepsi Max, or is that Pepsi Max and you've added your mango? And and a mango, right. That sounds interesting. I'm not the biggest mango fan, I have to admit. Uh, But, uh, you know, I'm also an uncultured um, (laughs) dork. So there you have it.
0: I don't have a bottle opener on my desk.
1: Oh, and no. I, and,
0: I, and my keys are upstairs. Uh, I have one, like, on my other desk, so. Oh, no. Give me, like,
1: ten seconds here. <laughs> hey, I'll hold it down. <laughs> I'll hold it down. Here you I'm... go. The, uh, the floor is yours. I'm glad that uh, Skull... Oh, check out my sweet uh, Starship Troopers poster, baby. Um, I'm doing my part. Um, but, yeah, left out the, uh, the Dresden Files book for Skull. Any Dresden Files fans out there? (laughs) Because things are getting real in the Dresdenverse. Um, All right, I'm back. Really enjoying that one. Really enjoying that one. So give a shout out to Dresden if you like him in the chat.
0: It's not quite as thick as I was expecting it to be.
1: But I'm liking that pour. I'm liking that yeah. pour. Doesn't seem overly carbonated. No. Which is how dark beers are meant to be drank. Right. So.
0: Yeah, no, that's that's about what you're looking for,
1: so. Lethal, I'm a pretty big fan of the Valle Stefaner, um, especially the Hefeweiss beer. It's one of my favorites. Um, they're just, a, just an all-around classy, easy-to-drink German beer you know? Um, Oh. Oh. And if you guys are a fan of those European wheat styles, then you get that nice it's a unique citrus quality to it that a lot of Americans don't like, but I do.
0: Oh. Oh. That ain't a Rainier. Oh my god, that's good.
1: Doesn't look like it.
0: (sighs) Ah. yes um lot of vanilla usually vanilla is like just like just like a touch of vanilla on top no this is like chocolate vanilla like oh. this is like neapolitan ice cream kind of like just
1: <laughs> blended into a stout oh.
0: oh that's delicious
1: your patrons spoil you jeff I know they do. One of these days, they're going to send me beer mail.
0: (laughs) Yep. So by the way, this is the non-barrel aged version. I also have version one and version two with two different uh, bourbon barrel agings on this exact same beer.
1: (laughs) Hey, wait, what? Because he, wait, what did you say? I'm sorry.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So I'm starting with this one tonight because this is the non-barrel aged version. gotcha, gotcha. I also have, so this is basically version zero. There's also version one and version two which are bourbon barrel-aged with different bourbons.
1: Nice, that sounds amazing.
0: So yeah, so we're starting with this one. We're doing like a three-part series. Oh man, I'm impressed. Add bourbon to this? Oh,
1: mm. heck yes. Oh a man. shout out to uh, Scott uh, Gagan for liking Harry Dresden. Cheers to you, bro. Oh, and cheers hello. to you for the super chat, my dude. Are you
0: gonna say hello tonight?
1: Rawr. Rambo says hi. Dude, I know. Rudolph killed me. Oh, dude. No spoilers, though. Keep the spoilers free. There you go. There you go. Oh, that... But that... I, like, legitimately cried. But I'm a big old sap. I'll cry at anything, so...
0: Thank you, Ram. That's exactly the image uh, everyone (laughs) wanted. Cat butt. Yep. (laughs) Uh, Scott, $2 donation. Thank you so much. Appreciate it.
1: He wanted to give that super chat just to give his Harry Dresden shout-out up there, so... Uh. Gotcha.
0: All right. Uh, well, like I said, normally we jump straight into tech news around here, but I do have a double feature of beer mail that I would like to get to. Uh, so first and foremost, this package right here, with a nice little open this side label Ooh. on it, uh, is from the, the Dal Lama or the Dal-A-Llama. He doesn't spell it the dal e Lama, It's Dal. Um, so... Not sure, quite sure how to pronounce it, and of course he closed it with duct tape, so this might take me a a hot second. But uh, anyway, he is on the, the Patreon, in the Discord, and no matter what's in here, it is greatly appreciated. As I try not to kill myself or my cat by opening this up.
1: No big deal, dude. Nothing like a little nice pair of orange cat slippers to keep your feet warm during the cold of winter. All right.
0: All right. We are in. Ah, first off, very well packed. That is always nice to see. Oh, we got an envelope, even.
1: Llamas always know how to pack, dog.
0: Handwritten envelope. Wow. Look at that. Oh, I dig it. Hope you enjoy these beers. Threw in a duplicate for John. He didn't have to say that.
1: Oh, why did a... you read it?
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Threw in a duplicate for John to take some home as well. Uh, the Rothbergs, or the, the Roarbox, is one of my favorite uh, from Rochester, New York staples. And I had I had to include a beer from uh, the Green Sea as well. So I went to my favorite uh, uh, unlimited summer release. There we go. Uh, Hydra from Mortillas is definitely the most interesting beer in there and would make for a fun review. Enjoy and keep having fun with everyday shenanigans. You've been a huge inspiration. Thank you. Cheers buddy. Thank you so much. Love that. That is awesome. You have amazing handwriting by the way.
1: Looking forward to hearing about how those beers taste.
0: Yeah. Uh, So this is the Hydra from uh, Livingston Co. Uh, It is a Fruited Sour, 7%. Check out that uh, that can art right there.
1: Ooh, that looks isn't, dope. Isn't that wild? That's some straight up Yu-Gi-Oh, um, yeah. you know. Pomegranate,
0: what? Blueberry, Raspberry, Fruited Sour. Yes. Oh, that sounds uh, good. We've got a Ruby Red Kolsch. I am a big fan of Kolsch beers. Uh, that one is from Genesee, uh, uh, Genesee Brewing Company. Uh, this is the Roarbach Blueberry Ale, which uh, I believe Dahl was uh, drinking down in, in in the chat today. I believe he cracked one of those open in the Discord. Uh, then this is the Roarbach Space Kitty, nice S- Citra Double IPA. Yes. Love it. Eight point four uh, percent. Looks like there's one more. That's not a duplicate in here. Or two. There we go. Oh, scotch ale.
1: Oh, nice. Warbox Scotch. I love a good scotch ale.
0: And then this one is Stoneyard Brewing Company chocolate almond custard stout. Custard stout. Custard stout. Oh,
1: those all sound good. <laughs> and I'm not just again. saying that. Like Craft those Computing legit has all
0: sound amazing.
1: Craft Computing has the best patrons.
0: Thank you. Thank you so much. I do very much appreciate that. And so... Believe it or not,
1: Jeff makes me chip in my $1 a month for my patron. He won't let me be on the Discord <laughs> even though I host and everything. God.
0: And secondly, I'm going to open this one from the bottom, but this box comes all the way from Australia. Whoa! This is uh, from Romnipotent, Romnipotent as I like to call him. Um, and I believe this is some homebrew, if I recall correctly. Oh! Um, it's a homebrew and it was not carbonated. And so John is actually going to recarbonate this for us, if I remember all of the conversations correctly.
1: Chompers, we will get to the tech. We promise. Hey, you're
0: in this one, Rhett. Hi, oh, John, okay. Jeff, Steve, and Rhett. I made it. Uh, I honestly have no idea what the beer will be like. I'm sending it soon after bottling it and letting it temper en route uh, for shipping safely. It's not carbonated, so either it will be flat or you can get John to carbonate it. It uh, was so malty on the nose, I went for a dry hop. No idea if it worked or or if I ruined it, <laughs> but I'm looking forward to trying it out. Uh, from the maths, I did uh, Grandma Riding Hood, 5% ABV, 5-7 to IBU, Dark Red Ale. Uh, we've got the hot, the hot Chili Mama Carolina Reaper um, and he's got a fermented hot sauce in here as well. What? Awesome.
1: Ah, I love homemade hot sauce.
0: Yeah, so that's awesome. So let's see uh, what these all look like.
1: Oh man, my mouth is watering. <laughs> <laughs> This has got to be a record for beer for beer mail.
0: No, I think the record was uh, set by Jason for the for the settlement for the lawsuit. <laughs> oh yeah,
1: that's true.
0: That was like what sixty-three beers or something like that. I Whoa. still have crap from Kansas in my fridge.
1: Hey, part of the agreement on the settlement was that you couldn't disclose how much beer it was exactly. So, careful. That's true.
0: Oh, yeah. Got a. Oh. ROM burner uh, made uh, July 25th, 2020. Wait, is that so... homemade? Uh, this one's homemade, but he used a, a, a bottle.
1: Oh, it says so... ROM burner right out on Okay, yeah. I see.
0: Yeah. So, there's that. Hot chili, mama Carolina Reaper. So this one's a store bought. Extra hot.
1: Oh yeah, the Carolina Reaper is. Yes. Careful with that.
0: Yes, don't dr- don't drop this one. I'll have to leave the building. All right. So that's the. Uh... Uh, so Ram uh, Rambo really likes the box. Nice. Well done. He is he has claimed it as his own.
1: There's something about Australian boxes.
0: Yeah. All right, and yes, plastic bottles. So that's exactly what I thought. Nice. So grandma, grandma riding, uh, grandma riding hood. This is a red ale, about five percent ish. Uh, I got two of those. So yeah, perfect, excellent. So we're gonna have to uh, recarbonate some beer, or carbonate it for the first time. But hey, it all it all arrived intact. Everything looks good. Thank you both of you. That is freaking awesome.
1: All right. All right. I think they're eager for some mm. tech news. Mhm.
0: Definitely. So, let's get into some tech news. Uh, first up, we've got a little bit of an Intel leak about their uh, upcoming Intel ZXE GPU. Uh, And that is that uh, a leaked benchmark has shown purportedly two Intel Z CPUs running in the same system. Now this could be a number of different uh, causes for this. The one that uh, Tom's Hardware is uh, proposing is that the dual GPU setup features 192 execution units or EUs which is what Intel is using to distinguish their cluster of shader cores basically one GPU core. Um, 192 execution units which comes out to 1536 shader cores. There's are 6.2 gigabytes of memory, 2 megabytes of L2 cache on board, and the dual GPU setup uh, peaked out at 1.25 gigahertz. Um, however, the Intel GG1 is rumored to sport 96 execution units, which would leave 96 execution units left over. Um, there's also a rumor out there that the Tiger Lake U, so the 12th gen mobile chips that Intel is, is working on, their 10 nanometer 12th gen mobile, uh, is also going to ship with Intel Xe graphics on board the, C- the CPU with up to 96 execution units. So here's the proposal. Is that they are using kind of a hybrid SLI or crossfire type technology, very similar to what AMD did in the early uh, Radeon R9 days with their A8 APUs and R7, you know, 250 GPUs, where you could literally buy a CPU with an APU or with a graphics processor on board and then add a PCI Express graphics processor to that and crossfire them. Um, And so essentially, you would end up with two DG1s on the same board, where one of them was baked into the CPU, the other had its own dedicated memory on a PCI Express bus. Um, It's a very interesting proposition. Um, And it's even more interesting if potentially multi-GPU setups could work again. Because as we all know, Crossfire and SLI are essentially dead technologies. They don't work anymore. (laughs) Uh, And in fact, NVIDIA has announced that as of uh, 2021, January 1st, uh, they will no longer be writing any profiles for dual GPU setups. Uh, So every dual GPU setup will require on coding from the game manufacturer themselves, which means you're not going to get any dual GPU support. So it's an interesting theory and it's an interesting... Discovery. Uh, and I think as long as the software and driver support is there, if Intel's found a way to share the graphics memory between the two, because that's always been the biggest thing, is you needed to double up the... the uh, Each card needed to hold its own graphics buffer and then know what the other card was rendering so it could start working on the next frame for alternate frame mode. Or there's, there's a whole bunch of different ways to do multi-GPU. But... If they've all of a sudden found a way to let them see the other GPU's memory, you might be able to just do it in driver and not need to build a profile for multi-GPU support. That's always been the, the goal of things like NVIDIA NVLink, where they can have a fast enough bandwidth to share the memory between cards and then pool your memory together. So instead of two 8-gigabyte cards, you have a single 16-gigabyte card that just happens to have two, two cores on it. Um, who knows? SLI being dead makes me sad. It makes me really sad too because uh, I've I've had multiple different SLI and Crossfire setups over the years. Um, Yeah, I uh, I didn't want to see SLI die or multi. Would you get out of that box? Hey, hey, yeah you, yeah you. (laughs) Little jerk. So Rambo's behind me trying to chew up a Q-nap box. <laughs> he's playing with the flap and trying to get into the box, but there's a whole bunch of stuff on top of it, so all he's doing is, like, lifting the flap and letting it fall back down and then getting ticked off that it fell on him. And he's sitting it all around.
1: Typical cats. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, you're one good decision away from a soft pair of cat slippers. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: You know, I considered using the the Doc Tog for the opening, (laughs) the beer opening tonight. I'm like, "Ah, I don't know how these are packed. I don't want to cut just a little too deep and rupture a can because that, all you need to do is touch a can and you'll slice through it. That is a genuinely sharp knife. (laughs) Whereas my pocket knife is exclusively used for like opening tape (laughs) on boxes. Uh, So, uh... Anyway, Tiger, tiger like you, uh, GPUs purport to be uh, 96 execution units and vary between 1.3 and 1.35 gigahertz uh, for their total clock speeds. Um, And who knows? (laughs) Who knows uh, if Intel has figured out a way to make all this happen or if there's, I know there's... uh... Would you stop it?
1: Somebody I said think. it in chat, and I thought it was kind of funny, just given all the NVIDIA news, but they said, wouldn't it be funny if, if Intel solved dual GPUs, you know?
0: <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> Which I thought was kind of funny. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Jonathan T said that up there. I want Intel to save multi-GPU rigs right after NVIDIA cut support. Yeah. Which would just be part of the course for NVIDIA uh, lately. Right. Yeah. Uh Yeah,
0: if Intel got this working, I think that'd be really neat. I'm not necessarily holding my breath on this um, because dual GPU has had less and less software support moving through the years, not more and more. And so going back to a dual GPU setup where you're relying on software and developers to include support for that system, let alone... We all think of you know, NVIDIA and AMD being the big two, and they are the big two. But NVIDIA holds like 80% of that pot, and AMD holds like 19% of that pot, leaving Intel to scrap over the remaining 1% with all the other <laughs> GPU vendors. So, uh, there's not exactly gonna be developer support available right at the very beginning because the developers aren't gonna be clamoring for 1% of the market share that NVIDIA is probably gonna grab or that Intel is probably going to grab. So unless they have a silver bullet in a driver that just works, that just scales and and solves all of the problems of multi-GPU setups, I don't see this working. Cool idea, though. Cool idea. I I will never not give dual GPUs a chance. I will never not try them. I want to try them now, even though they're not (laughs) supported. And yes, I know, you know, all the, the YouTubers have been doing the, the R.I.P. series, the, you know, R.I.P. J., R.I.P. Uh, Paul, Steve, you know, ev- everyone else. Uh, and I know Linus did a video on, we wanted, we so wanted to love sli RTX 3090s, but we couldn't. <laughs> it doesn't mean I don't want them. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens.
1: Yeah. Yep. Neat find if true.
0: Oh god, that is a good beer.
1: Rub it in already.
0: Oh. I'm sorry, every time I drink it, it's some it's some new flavor that pokes its head through.
1: Oh no no no. I mean a beer that dark has gotta be good for your skin. You gotta rub it in. (laughs) Yeah. Wow, it took ten years off.
0: And put six pounds on.
1: <laughs> I was going to say, maybe with all the nutrients, it can grow some of my hair back.
0: Right. Yeah. Uh, I think that's a lost cause.
1: Hey. Hey. Going for that Jude Law look, baby. <laughs> and we had the gates. <laughs> yeah. I will and say, others. every time
0: I shower, my forehead gets just a little bit taller. <laughs> all right. Moving on to... Uh, Some more great news, Uh, and that is uh, the thing that we probably all saw coming, but probably not in this exact uh, title, Eh. but we knew they were going to screw it up at some point, and that is Facebook is banning Oculus Quest 2 owners simply for owning an Oculus Quest 2. Um, So if you're not familiar with what's going on here, what I understand of the situation is that... uh, Oculus announced, what was it, six months ago or something like that? Six months ago or two years ago? I don't know. Remember, COVID's been a long time. Um, Announced sometime recently that Oculus users are now going to have to start linking their Oculus accounts over to their Facebook accounts in order to access Oculus Online Services or just the the Oculus Launcher in general. You have to log into Facebook to use your Oculus device. Um, you get a grace period if you already had an Oculus account until like mid-2021 or something like that. If you're a new user, it starts immediately. You cannot create a new Oculus account. You have to go create a, or link a Facebook account to your Oculus account in order to activate your Quest. So, people are going out, buying Oculus Quests, bringing them home, setting up their Oculus account, linking it to their Facebook account, and then Facebook says, your account is now banned um surprise <laughs> surprise right which essentially leaves the brand new owners with a brick
1: yeah
0: um because you can't log in and you can't use any of the services unless you log into facebook and if your facebook account is banned well you can't use the hardware thus the problem of always on DDRM drm and everything else that goes along with
1: who could I have seen like such a bad outcome from one of the Who, world's worst companies? <laughs> right.
0: I wish I would have seen this coming.
1: Darn
0: it. Um, right, darn it. Yeah, uh, and the response from Oculus is, let's just say not great. Uh, for a company that in the past has had pretty darn good customer support, both in my personal experience and, and hearing from others in the industry, Um, of issues with headsets or account issues or or everything else, their responses are all of a sudden just canned and sorry, not sorry. Uh, So Oculus Support, we're aware of a small number of customers, sorry. We are aware that a small number of customers are having trouble using Quest 2 with their Facebook accounts. If you are one of the few who's having trouble uh, getting set up, uh, we are ready and available to help. Just reach out and start a ticket. And so someone responded, uh, Ivan over on Twitter, this is the message people are getting. So in line with the red automate, uh, so is the line in red and automated nonsense? Uh, FYI, the only reason this is being dealt with now is because they are, uh, is not because they want to, is because they have to, not because they want to, care to comment Facebook. Your account has been disabled. You can't use Facebook because your account or activity on it doesn't follow the community standards. We have already reviewed this decision and it can't be reversed. So in the automatic replies to tickets of people saying, I bought a Quest, I logged into Facebook, it banned me from Facebook and now I can't use it. They're saying, oh, sorry, your account was banned because of of uh, you know illicit activity or community guideline violations. And we've already manually reviewed it and it, the decision is permanent. Have a nice life.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, I wish I could say that that the outcome was unforeseen. I didn't think that it would quite be this spectacular, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is like all we talked about over in uh, in, in my game dev uh, Discord. And it was like nobody's gonna want to make games for this, you know? No. It's just it doesn't have the same level of accessibility if you have to sign into your Facebook. Right. Um, which is such a weird thing to say because you think everybody has a Facebook, but not everybody wants a Facebook. Um. I mean, they're the worst, you know? Yep. If you guys haven't done it, go watch The Social Dilemma and delete your Facebooks like <laughs> I did. <laughs> I deleted it yep. before I watched it, but I felt right. vindicated after
0: that. I still have mine on. Uh, I haven't killed mine yet because I always thought, well, maybe I'll want to do something with craft computing over on Facebook because I do have a craft computing page that I did update for about a month,
1: yeah. uh, the first month of craft computing. Yeah, I remember that.
0: I think our, la- my last post is our first live show. <laughs> to tell you how long that's been. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, I didn't expect the issues with the Oculus integration to be this sudden or this rampant. I expected it to be a slow decay into madness, not this, you got a 50-50 shot of using your brand new Oculus Quest on Facebook. And from the number of support or the number of outcries that I'm, we're seeing, it's in the hundreds and thousands of users who have gone out and bought these devices who cannot get onto Facebook. And Oculus and, and Facebook are standing, staring at each other going, it's Facebook's fault. It's Oculus' fault. You're the same company. It's one of you's fault. And I don't care whose, but fix it. This shouldn't be that hard. No. <laughs> and uh, apparently they've made it that hard.
1: Yeah, sounds about right. It's everything Zuckerberg does uh some funny funny comments in the uh chat here uh nicholas says to be fair wearing an oculus is against my community standards <laughs> i don't know why that made me laugh um, well then i don't want to be friends with you because... <laughs> some people are saying that uh, using nicknames is leading to some of this and then apparently everybody has already deleted their facebooks or never had them so kudos to you for being stronger human beings than i yeah. um i was weak Should have never made the switch from MySpace. (laughs)
0: Uh, Yeah, Tom, your one and only friend.
1: Yeah, he was a good guy, though. He never told me how to use it.
0: (laughs) So, yeah. um, I hope, I hope, I hope that Facebook eventually makes this right. Um, we can say a lot of things about we don't like Facebook, we don't like Oculus for doing this, we don't like Oculus for selling out. Um, at the end of the day, they're still allowed to operate. They're, you know, yeah. and you and you can buy them or not, and that's your own decision and vote with your money. If, if you want VR, but you don't like Facebook, well then don't buy an Oculus headset. That's one of the main reasons I don't own a Quest, is I didn't like the direction it was heading, and... Chose not to go buy an Oculus Quest. I think standalone wireless VR would be freaking... Yeah, That's the one feature that I've been looking for I it was since I changer. started VR in 2012, 13, 13, I want to say. Um, with the Oculus DK1, I was an original backer on the DK1. I had a, I had a DK2 kit, had two DK2 kits at one point. Um, I had a, a Razer Hydra. Remember Razer's positional tracking yeah, I had a Razer Hydra, um, and uh, <laughs> and I won't buy an Oculus today because of the Facebook integration. Um, you know, I'd rather use a Windows Mixed Reality headset in the dead environment that that is. So, yeah. Uh, we did get a super chat a couple of minutes ago from Chris, $5. Thank you so much. Cheers from a fellow Oregon native in D.C. Cheers, buddy. Uh, it's nice to see some TechTuber PC content that isn't just copycat LTT with a different coat of paint. Uh, yeah, I put up a fake wood trim instead.
1: <laughs> What's LTT, bro? Who's that, bro? Who? Yeah, Who? No. exactly, <laughs> Um
0: No, I, the reason I started doing YouTube was because I liked the TechTuber content. I watched a lot of it, but I felt that I could also bring something different to it. Um, you know, my friends always told me, man, you talk about this so much, you just might as well start a channel. And so one day I just bought a camera and turned it on and this is what we got. Yep. So so thank you. Uh, I, I don't necessarily strive to be different. I strive to make the content that I would want to watch. This is the kind of stuff that I would want to watch. Um, and it's it's a little piece of just about everyone in there and uh, also focusing on my own expertise and my own, you know, passions and and whatnot, Uh, which is why I open a beer in every show. I love reviewing beer. Um, It's the only beer I drink that day, but um, but yeah, it's, it's awesome.
1: You know, one Uh, thing I've I've always appreciated about uh, your thumbnails is that they stand apart from the other tech tubers, you know, don't get me wrong. Everybody kind of has their own brand, but yours are even distinct from theirs.
0: I'm trying to make them pop, yeah. without the use of the the neon gradient colors. Yeah, yeah,
1: it, and that's exactly what it is. It's the neon right. that really makes it all kind of blend.
0: Yeah, it's it's not the the yellow and white tunnel background and the. Yeah.
1: <sighs> yeah.
0: I swear all Kyle does in his thumbnails anymore not to pick on him is just use the same face and then mirror it every other video. <laughs> so one time he's over here and the next time he's over here and the next time he's shocked at something over there and then he's shocked at something. Um, and, and I know he has multiple facial expressions, but come on. It's like, at least change your shirt. Um, But yeah, it's... Uh, I strive to make things that I enjoy and that I'm passionate about. And and I I don't like those... Clickable thumbnails any more than anyone else does but at the same time I need my thumbnails to be clickable because well That's kind of how I make money now Yeah. Uh, but I want them to be clickable, but not in your face. Yeah. That's the way I design them
1: Yep. Uh, dude, I knew I knew that you were gonna do great when uh, First time I ever met Jeff was on my podcast He came and talked about VR and we talked way longer than I had asked him to like three times longer And I was down, I was like, dang, dude, you know your stuff. You know how to talk for a long time. (laughs) Yep. He's like, funny, I'm going to do a YouTube channel. And here we are. Yep. Yeah, Rhett had me
0: on his show first. And uh, yeah, and now here we are.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that was fun, though. Got to play some VR and... uh, Yeah. And...
0: Patrick says, Jeff, you need a you need a craft computing dial up BBS in your rack. You know, I had not thought about that until this very moment, but I think
1: you're right. Dude, that would be dope. <laughs> that would be dope. I think you are absolutely right. <laughs> does anybody else have one? Like any of the
0: other uh, A legit dial up BBS? I don't think anyone does. If if anyone does, I would bet Wendell does, but I don't think he does.
1: You know, uh, my buddies over at CheerfulGhost.com, they host a, like, fake uh, BBS uh, game server. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can go on and play a lot of, like, what the classic... Uh, a lot of
0: the text-based RPG adventure,
1: yeah, yeah, like you know what? I'm just gonna bring it up right now so I can list some of them because some of them will sound familiar <laughs> to people that yeah. are from. I, I that. bet I played some of them. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They they also created their own um, mini text-based MMO in the same in the same spirit of it called um, Tale of the White Wyvern. If anybody is into something like
0: that. Uh, Sakura says uh, Wendell does have a BBS dial-up. So oh well, fine. I'm like I said, if someone does, Wendell has one. So, I'm, I'm not surprised at all. Um, I've never ran my own BBS, but I did uh, join quite a few of them back in the day. So, I, um, I was on a number of them.
1: Okay. I don't know. These aren't exactly the old BBS games, these are all like modern ones, but they tried to make it in the same vein. Uh, oh, was Candy Box one? No, that's not right. I think these are all originals. Oh, oh, oh! Fish, uh, freshwater fishing simulator. <laughs> that's that's a classic, I think. That takes me back. Uh, Barney Splat. Uh, nope. Okay. Why don't I just share the link? You all can judge for yourselves. Uh, but anyway, yeah, they they were really into this idea, and they kind of. Oh, I can't share links. Can't you? Nope. <laughs> here i will put it in the battle bridge maybe one of the mods can post it for me
0: you should be able to share links just about anywhere
1: um hmm. okay yeah it says try um, removing any web addresses and trying again thanks Skull. yeah see
0: Skull can post anything <laughs> what's Sorry. a bbs a uh, bulletin board system yeah, it's called um, pre-internet BBS tech. It, pre-internet tech. It's a um, you received a phone number, you dialed into that phone number, you negotiated the handshake, and, uh, and then you were granted access to a text-based bulletin board service. Um, and it was one for file share and two for general chat and three for FAQs and four for this and that and five for files you're not allowed to have and six for (laughs) um and uh think of it as like an early day reddit yeah uh i mean if you really want to boil it down reddit is a bbs reddit is a uh it, it was a forum style posting of files information uh they had uh live gaming but Text-based RPG like Dungeons and Dragons style. Yeah, yeah. You know, gaming on there. Somebody um, mentioned it.
1: One of the games, one of the most famous ones, was Legend of the Red Dragon.
0: Red Dragon. And that's yes. what I was trying
1: to remember. And they modeled their mini MMO yep. Tale of the White Wyvern off of Legend of the Red Dragon. So. Nice.
0: Yeah. No. Uh, that'd be fun to actually like find the old code for Red Dragon and then post it on a server and have people be able to dial in and and play on it.
1: Dude, you might enjoy White Wyvern. You should check it out. Yeah. I used to play it on my phone all the time. It was like mobile uh, compatible. But it's yeah. the same thing as, as Red Dragon. But it's modern and fun. And not that Red Dragon is not fun. <laughs> right. <laughs> but you know what I mean. It's
0: days before DNS. DNS was kind of a thing because uh, IP networking was a thing. But uh, IPX was more the protocol used in LANs back in the day. Um, and... Uh, so yeah, you didn't really go name scheme based. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah, it was it was a your one computer connecting to a server, and that server is hosting a forum bulletin board style posting system. Um, and you had you had either access to post or access to upload files or download files. And yeah, there, there was no. No internet at all. That was yeah. your connection to the outside world was connecting yeah. to someone else's BBS server.
1: And you had to manually dial in. Yeah. Like that was, I don't know why. That you had to know, you had to know the number.
0: You had to know the number. exactly. It's just yeah. a little
1: bit before my time. So it always, it just blows my mind a little bit. Like I, mm-hmm. it, like people still talked about him a lot when I was coming into tech, but. Yep. So, yeah. But we uh, should get one. <laughs> Nicholas, B,
0: BNC networking <laughs> shutter. <laughs> I still remember one of my favorite Dilbert comics from back in the day was, uh, uh, my internet is not working. Oh no, this is a token ring land and the token fell out somewhere in this room. And uh, uh, so he has the boss like crawling on his hands and knees looking for the token in the room. Nice. (laughs) There's another one. Uh, uh, Why isn't the internet work or uh, why isn't the network working? Well, the internet is full. And the boss is sitting there with the cable into a waste going, I wonder if I should see anything when it's draining.
1: <laughs> oh God. <laughs> so dumb.
0: Kat, <sighs> I don't know what you're doing, but please don't break anything.
1: Um, yeah, so long story short, um, don't- Long story
0: short, I think I just committed myself to building a BBS.
1: <laughs> Dude, I hope so. That'd be so fun.
0: Uh, Will you make the modem soundcraft computing? Uh, It's been a long time, but How was that?
1: That
0: was
1: pretty good. Thank you.
0: Sorry, I forgot the because
1: there's
0: a couple of those in between. You failed. Yep, I failed. Oh, well. (laughs) All right, uh, moving right along. Uh, Raspberry Pi made an announcement yesterday that there's a brand new compute module in town, and it has an all new form factor. Uh, So for those who don't know, the Raspberry Pi compute module has been uh, essentially a system on chip that you can build into production devices. So if you wanted to use the Raspberry Pi as a base for your development system or... um, uh various other projects so let's say you you wanted to build a a circuit board with a with a certain function and you wanted to use a raspberry pi as the brain rather than just going out and buying a raspberry pi and then sticking it in and then figuring out how the wiring out from it goes you would buy the compute module and then only attach the modules to it that you needed. So if you only needed one USB port, you only have to wire in one USB port. If you didn't need Ethernet, you don't need Ethernet. You don't need Wi-Fi, tell you what, you can buy a board without Wi-Fi. Um, And so it's a modular system with a Raspberry Pi at the heart that expands the connectivity of the Raspberry Pi just a little bit. so, it's been known that Raspberry Pi was eventually gonna come out with the Raspberry Pi 4 compute module, and uh, they made a little bit of a splash yesterday with it. So, the old compute module was based off of a so dim memory socket. They literally repurposed a, a laptop memory dim module with a Raspberry Pi, and they gave the pinout here at the bottom. The new compute module uh, replaces that dim socket look. With this style connector right here, this is a, essentially a ZIF connector, and there's a pair of them on the board. Um, and those interface to whatever daughter board you want to connect to it. And then on your daughter board, you can trace out all the paths that you need for your other connectivity. That includes things that are on the GPIO of the Raspberry Pi. If you wanted to use it as a use the GPIO to interface with devices. Inside of your PCB. That includes the USB 2.0 and 3.0 headers. That includes the gigabit Ethernet. And uh, it also includes now PCI Express as a connector. Um, do they have a picture of the daughter board? Here it is. So here is a picture of the new compute module uh, reference design daughter board, which is all of the possible breakout points for the Raspberry Pi 4 compute module. Uh, you can see here you have your standard micro SD card slot. You have a, a Uh, micro uh, USB for power. You've also got a 5-volt power or 12-volt power jack right there. Um, You've got uh, a couple of USB ports right there, gigabit Ethernet, your two HDMI micros. Um, You've got your standard uh, GPIO right here, including power over Ethernet. Uh, So you can attach your standard power over Ethernet hats or any other GPIO you want to design for it. Uh, you've got your camera and display outputs as well as a couple different uh, uh, outputs as a couple other outputs as well. Uh, you've got fan headers so you can uh, you can attach a PWM fan header as well as you can power this off of a floppy drive style connector from a standard ATX power supply. But the most interesting thing on this board has got to be the PCI Express. This is a PCI Express 2.0 X1 slot. Uh, meaning you can now expand the Raspberry Pi connectivity using standard PCI Express cards. You want to add a couple more gigabit ethernet ports? Guess what? Find yourself an X1 gigabit ethernet adapter. Uh, You want to add some more USB 3.0 connectivity? Go for it. Capture card? You got it. Anything you want to add over PCI Express is now going to be supported by the Raspberry Pi 4 compute module, and that opens up a whole new gamut of functionality for the Raspberry Pi 4. Um, I do have one on pre-order. <laughs> I got a a, um, a four gigabyte with 32 gigabytes of onboard uh, uh, MMC memory or storage, uh, as well as the Wi-Fi and Bluetooth module. Uh, it was $105. Uh, so it is slightly more expensive than the Raspberry Pi itself, but the compute module was only like, I want to say the compute module itself was only like 65 dollars it wasn't that terribly expensive uh and then it was 35 for the i.o board which is just the reference design i.o board because i just want to play with it as a raspberry pi yeah um but uh and then like five for shipping um but uh oh battery for real-time clock as well thank you uh uh anile anila torg or whatever your name is thank you yes um uh, yeah, battery for work re- yeah, Annihilatorg. Uh, yeah, there's a battery for a real-time clock as well, which is one major advantage over the standard Raspberry Pi is you have a real-time clock on board to keep yourself in sync and not rely on NTP for your your time sync. Um, where are you at? He was meowing at the door, and now he's nowhere to be seen. Oh, well. Um, so this is kind of a... A a cool deal. Um, I've always been fascinated by the compute modules but I've never really found a reason that I would want to go buy one or would need one because I don't design my own products. I don't design my own circuitry. I, I have no reason to go out and purchase a compute module when all I'd use it for is a Raspberry Pi. However, even just adding a PCI Express slot, I'm intrigued. I want to see what I can do with this. I want to see what possibilities open up. I want to add a graphics card to this and yeah. see if I can game in Steam.
1: <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, that's always been the best part about the Raspberry Pi platform is its flexibility. Mm-hmm. And this just adds so many more options.
0: Um, so the interesting thing about the the compute module itself is there's actually 32 variants of the Compute Module board itself, so the actual brain of the outfit. Um, All of them include the same CPU. It's all the same Broadcom system-on-chip processor, Uh, same graphics card. The only difference is how much memory, how much onboard storage, and whether or not you have Wi-Fi. And the memory goes from 1 gig to 2 gig to 4 gig to 8 gig, um, with, uh, I think, $10 in between and like a $20 ad for 8 gigs of memory. There's how much onboard storage you want, which you can have no onboard storage and rely solely on the microSD. Uh, You can have 2 gigs, 4 gigs, 8 gigs, and 32 gigs, I think. Or maybe it's 4, 8, 16, 32. Uh, But those are only $5 per bump because NAND flash memory is pretty inexpensive. Um, And then there's with or without Wi-Fi on all of those those different cross models. Um, So... Uh, ETA Prime will do the world's most powerful Raspberry with a 3090. I, I God, I hope so because I love his videos. <laughs> um, God, he did some videos on the Atomic Pi that were amazing. Um, what was the other board that he was really into lately? Um, uh, I forget which one, but yeah, he had like a 1060 onto this like little tiny SBC that was pretty epic. I do like his stuff. Elgato 4K60 with a Raspberry Pi as the streaming PC. I considered doing something like that. In fact, that's actually one of the reasons I bought a Raspberry Pi 4 was I I was considering it as a streaming solution. Um, It does have built-in encoders. The problem is OBS is a little bit too resource-intensive for the 4 gigabytes of RAM. Now, the 8 gigabyte model, now that they came out with that, might be a little bit more conducive to that. But the problem with the Elgato 4K60 is that's a 4X PCI Express 3.0 slot. That's a lot more bandwidth than what the Raspberry Pi has. However, you could get away with something like an AverMedia Gamer HD Pro, which is a 1080p 60, 1X PCI Express 2.0 slot. Uh, which is exactly the bandwidth that the Raspberry Pi can purportedly support. Now, whether or not it has the correct software support to actually encode that X264 stream, um, and whether or not it has the processing power to run OBS and do the stream at the same time, those are still up in the air. But if you can get a Raspberry Pi with the GPIO or with the the IO board, and then add a, a 1080p capture card to it, that might be a pretty fallen little portable solution with two monitors uh because remember you can do two 4k 30 monitors out from the hdmi ports that's a pretty cool little uh, little setup so uh oh the panda yeah the panda latte that's right thank you i, I knew someone would know it i was just drawing a blank on but yeah, he, he had the panda latte running like a gtx 1060 or something like that
1: gotta leave it to annihilate torg
0: uh, will there be a version where you can use multiple compute units to cluster? Uh, someone did create um, a daughter board for the Raspberry Pi 3 compute unit, which would hold a whole bunch of them in line, and then each of them had their own Ethernet port and a single USB port. And I, I would imagine someone's going to do something very similar for the Raspberry Pi 4. Um, and especially now that ESXi and Zen are both available for the Raspberry Pi, that's an exciting concept can you imagine like a 16 node server in a 1u box right <laughs> like that just i don't know what i'd run on it but i really want one <laughs> it's kind of like thirty-nineties is an sli i i know i can't use it but i still want it <laughs> i just want to play with it um so yeah uh tiny linux with obs should be okay with four gigabytes of memory yes or no uh it might be OK. It might be OK. Um, but OBS still isn't fully optimized for the ARM processor. It's it's more of an x86 base, so you still have to compile OBS from source, if I remember correctly. And not everything works like right out of the box. And it is very resource intensive, because it is uh, essentially emulating some x86 processes in order to run the features inside of OBS. Um, so long answer, I don't know. Someone said too many versions. Remember, the compute module is not meant for you. Yeah. What I mean by that, this is meant for industry, for someone who's looking for a system on chip that they can plop into a circuit board and run a dedicated device. And the reason there are 32 modules is, does your device need Wi-Fi or not? Yes or no. Does it need one gigabyte of RAM, two gigabytes of RAM, four gigabytes of RAM, eight gigabytes of RAM? Guess what? That's a pretty wide margin of cost, uh, The one gigabyte with no onboard storage and no Wi-Fi is 25 bucks. If all you need is a little bit of CPU horsepower and you can add a two gig SD card and it doesn't, it's not read write intensive. Guess what? That's 22, $27.50 for your entire brain for whatever you're building. Versus if all they offered was four and eight gigabyte models with or without Wi-Fi. Um, and you were required to buy the onboard storage as well. That takes your $27 you know, upfront cost to $70. That's a that's the difference between a product making it and breaking it as far as profit margin goes. Um, so there's a large number of options because not every project needs eight gigs of RAM. Not every project needs Wi-Fi. Not every problem project needs 32 gigs of MMC storage on board. They accommodated for all that. And it's because they, they're listening to industry response on things like this that they're offering this many parts. It's because there's demand for all of these different configurations. So hope that makes sense. Uh, SATA adapter and a bunch of SSDs. I will try building a NAS on this. I guarantee it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've, I'm already I'm already looking for us for a one x uh, HBA so I can do something maybe Ubuntu with ZFS and then run some SMB file shares on it see what kind of gigabit speeds we get. Uh, it's not consumer but everyone wants IO boards for laptops. Um, I'm actually kind of curious. Uh, if someone will come out with a laptop housing for one of these. Yeah. Um I I'd, I'd potentially be a buyer if someone made a laptop housing for 150 bucks.
1: Is there anything like that already?
0: Um there's a couple of different companies that have toyed with like Raspberry Pi based laptops. Yeah. Um they've done uh gosh, who was the there was a there was one that was aimed at kids at at like kid maker kind of stuff yeah um but they wanted like three hundred dollars for the laptop and i'm like are you insane it's thirty dollars for an <laughs> iPS 1366 by 768 screen 20 bucks for an lvds controller um i have no idea why they thought they could get that profit margin off literally scrap chromebook parts um
1: nobody else is doing it
0: yeah i don't know uh, free, free NAS needs to be ported to ARM. Um, I'm actually going to ask them if they might consider it, because <laughs> wouldn't that be cool? Yeah. Um, yeah, Cano. Thank you. Yeah, it was the Cano project. Um, uh, OLPC was the Intel initiative. That was the company that was in in with Intel that was trying to do the one laptop per child with the crankable, chargeable laptops, um, and they were. Uh, Intel, based, they were like early netbook-based. They were like 700 megahertz single-core Atom kind of things. Um, so, but yeah, if someone came out with like 125 bucks with a 720p screen, or even better yet, a 1080p screen, because there's no reason you shouldn't be able to get a 12 or 13 inch 1080p screen for less than 50 bucks, um, and you know, give me a LAN port, give me, you know, two USB 2s, give me me the Wi-Fi on board from from the the Pi module and you buy the shell and the I.O. board and and the screen for 125 to maybe even like 175 at a max and then I can drop whatever compute module I want into it and I have my portable ARM-based laptop. That's what I want. That would be just badass. Um, but no, I'm going to ask FreeNAS because now that they have Linux as a base, I wonder if they will, if they could port it to ARM because TrueNAS scale is a thing, uh, which has, instead of FreeBSD as a base, they had, they now have the Nix kernel as a base or or Debian. They have a Debian kernel at the base, which is the same kernel as used by RaspyOS. OS. <laughs> maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> If you're listening, maybe? <laughs> yeah,
1: they're all here. <laughs> Shit, they're all here, aren't they?
0: I do know engineers for both unraid and freeNAS watch my my streams occasionally. So, guys, if if you're on, maybe? Who's going to give up? me arm support first? That's what I want to know. <laughs> Pinebook Pro, 200 bucks. I've uh, yeah, I've I've heard of the Pinebook Pro as well. Um and that was a, uh, an ARM-based open-source laptop. Um, pull up the, the site here. Yeah, an ARM 64-based laptop. It has a, a Rock chip uh, processor, four gigabytes of DDR4, 1080p screen. Um, really nice, nice build. Um, but uh, I'd like to see this with a Raspberry Pi compute module at, at the core because in my opinion, uh, I really like Raspberry Pi OS because it is really optimized for the hardware that they have. Um, I'd like to be able to run Raspberry Pi OS in a, in a laptop environment and see if I could actually daily drive it because when they introduced the Raspberry Pi 4 with four gigabytes of RAM, they said, this is a desktop you can finally daily drive on the modern web. I wanna see if that's true. I wanna see if it's true. I- I'd like to haul that around. Uh, There should be an arm version of TrueNAS sometime in the not-too-distant future. I told you. I told you. I told you they watched my streams.
1: Is Niklas one of them? Bro. You one of them?
0: If not, they'll watch tomorrow. <laughs> Is Jeff trying to twist their arms? <laughs> that was a good, I got you. solid pun. I get you, Novella. Hub. I get you yeah uh but no seriously if you guys can can give me like an arm port some early access i would totally want to test drive that so all right uh moving right along what else we got
1: yeah i'm catching some flack for drinking a rainier out of a can <laughs> yeah as well you should bro it's the only way to drink a rainier it's true i i look I was telling this guy, I was telling this guy, it's uh it's uh seventy six, uh, I said, My hometown has Rainier on draft. And that's a whole other ball game. But I'm not gonna pour my tall boy Rainier into a glass. You know why? Because it was meant to be drank out of an aluminum can. In a 72 degree room. <laughs> right. <laughs> He says, it's hard to watch craft beer chaps drinking from cans. Well, I'm not drinking craft beer, bro. Wish I was. <laughs> yep.
0: Uh, ZFS has been compatible with BSD licensing, but never with GNU. Well, actually, um, ZFS is now available on the native Debian kernel and inside of Ubuntu as of 20.04. If I remember versions and everything else correctly. Um, But you can use ZFS inside of of Ubuntu and inside the Debian core itself. So um, again, I'm not not an expert on that field. That's just what I'm recalling, that it is now an available feature that you can just use. So who knows? Who knows? Maybe I'm wrong. All right, uh, moving on. We've got uh, some AMD RX 6000 news, a couple of different ones. Uh, first up, AMD, not exactly backpedaling on some statements from a couple weeks ago where they wouldn't yeah. have any supp- supply problems. Remember that whole, whole fiasco yeah. where yeah. they were like throwing shaded NVIDIA saying <laughs> we're going to have plenty of cards in stock. Um, they have now issued guidance to AMD <laughs> retailers saying here's how you can deal with bots just in case they want to buy up all your stock, things like, uh, using bot detection and management software, implementing captchas for every checkout, implementing purchase limits. So one, (laughs) one card per person, per, per transaction, uh, uh, creating queue based reservations. And so people sign up to be like next in line to purchase uh manual order processing so turn off your automatic fulfillment systems and just review every order manually which doesn't really sound like it's all that encouraging because if they don't have enough cards that they're able to manually review the orders that means they don't have enough cards (laughs) (laughs) um Uh, limit reseller sales. So, so instead of like getting your, your shipments in and then sending all of your cards out to, to resellers, sell them direct to consumers for the first three weeks. Um, and also inventory to cart allocation. Uh, don't sell the cards until they've completed the checkout process, which means they'll be able to add them to the cart. But then if they didn't finish the checkout, they don't get a card. So... (sighs) yeah um hopefully this is just good basic advice (laughs) for for resellers um and not an omen of things to come
1: like i I, i'm wondering when i was reading this earlier i was wondering how much of this is just standard operating procedure Mm -hmm. you know they send this email out with every product but this is the first time it's been you know, released to the public. Like somebody is like, yo, look at what AMD is saying. How prepared are they? Right. You know, I'm sure that's not the case. I'm sure this is a unique thing, but still at the same time, uh, it doesn't necessarily send up that many red flags to me more than it's like, Hey guys, like, you know, looking at this stuff, hearing everybody's concerns. Why don't we try to give the best experience to everybody that we can? I don't know. Maybe I'm just overly optimistic. I'm not trying to AMD fanboy here. (laughs) Maybe. Maybe. By the
0: way, uh, so I already looked it up and for $43, you can get a 1X PCI Express controller with eight ports and it comes with cables and two four-way SATA splitters to power all your drives Uh. to run this on a 1X interface on a Raspberry Pi. So I'm saying you can build an eight-bay NAS based off an... a a raspberry pi compute module i want that system i want that system i want to try it it? i freaking want it i want it
1: (laughs) it can be done it can be done this week
0: yeah so yeah that was my multitasking for the day (laughs) (laughs) um so anyway amd issued uh how not to lose all your inventory to bots? Even though resellers probably don't care where the where the sales go, as long as it's a sale, as long as they get their money, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, now here's an interesting tidbit. Uh, AMD Navis twenty one purportedly may boost up to twenty five hundred and seventy seven megahertz. So, this is according to Igor from Igor's Lab. Um, and this is rumor slash speculation because we can't verify it yet. But apparently, a board partner has talked to Igor, and he's gotten some basic information about what we can expect from RX six thousand series boost clocks. Now, this is purportedly the RX six thousand eight hundred XT. Um. And you can see down here, 2,577 megahertz max GFX boost. System on chip is a uh, 1,200 megahertz. And you can see the memory clocks are running right down here. Um, And the tool itself says that the core is capable of 2,800 megahertz, which is obviously probably not achievable. because the the boost tables always go up much, much higher than the clock can actually achieve stably. Um, NVIDIA does the same thing with their boost tables. Um, But uh, these are the the rumored specs, and the rumored specs are juicy based on just the frequencies alone. Um, So there's three purported models The 6800, the 6800 XT, and the 6900 XT. Um, The base model has 64 compute units, which I'm really thrilled that the base model has 64 because that's kind of the most we've gotten out of AMD in a long time. Um, You know, Vega 64, Vega 56 were the only series of Vega cards we ever got in retail outside of the Radeon 7, which was a 7 nanometer-based Vega 64. Um... So the fact that we're starting at 64 compute units and then going up from there is very encouraging. Uh, but a base clock of 1,815 megahertz, which is quite high for a boost clock, uh, and 2,105 megahertz on a boost clock. Uh, moving up to the Navi 21XT, which is the 6800 XT, 2,015 megahertz base clock and a 2,250 boost clock, and then a 2,040 base clock on the ninety or 6900 XT and a 2330 megahertz boost. Those are good numbers. Now, we don't know the correlation between clock speed and performance and all the other intricacies, but those are high clocks for a graphics card. Those are very high clocks for a graphics card. Um... Gosh, the Vega cards ran somewhere in the 1,800 megahertz range. Uh, NVIDIA's famously peaked out about 2,100 under most, most boosts. Um, the fact that they're saying, and, and by the way, NVIDIA's boost clock claims are usually somewhere in the seventeen to 1,800 megahertz range. For like, we can guarantee every GPU will hit 1,800 megahertz. That's kind of the guarantee. This guarantee is, we're saying every 6900 XT will hit 2330. That's a high clock. It's a very high clock. The real question is, can AMD drivers actually handle it? Flip a coin on who has better drivers today. AMD and NVIDIA have both had driver headaches. AMD, for some reason, gets the name that sticks around. But I remember constantly countless bad drivers from both companies. And it ebbs and it flows. It really does. And it depends on the software. It depends on the developer integration. And just like SLI integration, you have to code to optimize your graphics workflow for AMD's graphics workflow and for NVIDIA's graphics workflow. And guess what? NVIDIA has 80% of the market share, so guess where most of the graphics workflow optimization goes? It goes to NVIDIA's corner. Unless AMD pays for the, for the optimizations in a game like they do in some games, if you've ever opened a game and it goes, NVIDIA, or you know shows the Radeon logo or something like that, that means that company paid for driver optimization within that game. Hitman 2 is a, is a good example of an AMD optimized game and always performs well in, on AMD cards because they paid for optimizations. Um, that happens all the time. I can't necessarily say AMD drivers are always worse or Nvidia drivers are always better. It doesn't work that way. <laughs> um, but What I can say is those are very high graphics clocks. How did we get on Unreal Tournament 2004?
1: Because I'm always talking about Unreal Tournament 2004. Your patrons surprised that I'm
0: surprised we're not talking about Morrowind then. The greatest game ever made.
1: I think Morrowind's going to look damn good on these cards. Undisputed. It is undisputed. Did I hear sarcasm in your voice? From me. Sarcasm does not become you. It is the lowest form of humor, sir. Since when? Since just now, since I made up that rule. Google it. It's a thing. It's a thing. (laughs) Satire, very high. Sarcasm, very low.
0: (laughs) You realize it's the same thing, right? No. Just two different forms of delivery.
1: It's, there's a nuance to it. Google it. Mm. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, you're scared to commit, just I've, in case I'm right.
0: I am scared to commit,
1: <laughs> you're right.
0: <laughs> I didn't take all the workshops you did. Comedy comes in threes.
1: <laughs> oh no, they're on to me, Jeff. How are <laughs> you with <help> me? <laughs> <laughs> no, dude. Somebody's saying UT99 is the greatest. Nah, get out of here.
0: 2004.
1: Yeah, 2004 is what's up. We yep. actually have a uh, patron-exclusive uh, UTO4 dedicated server, so if y'all want to come do. get destroyed by yours truly. Ooh, them's fighting words. Dollar a month gets you all this, baby. Uh, but for Reddit. real, I will murder you all in Unreal Tournament 2004.
0: Rhett is feeling confident with his 2200G and and, uh, GTX 760 over there. Yep.
1: Can run games from 15 years ago, no problem.
0: Run a new T4 at a crisp, cool 120 frames per second. (laughs) (laughs) On a 60 hertz TN display.
1: You shut your mouth about my display.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh... As no, I just but... got in un, as as I just got in another 144 hertz display to, to review. <laughs> <laughs> well, what what's funny you? is I, I still daily drive a 60. My my 4K monitor is a 60 hertz, and I freaking love that monitor. And until I get the ASUS 42 inch or 43 inch uh, 10 bit 144 hertz, I'm not upgrading. Huh, I don't blame you. Uh, Novella Hub, five dollars. How's the how's the herd of turtles treating you as it warms up? This is freaking delicious, and I cannot wait to try it barrel aged. Um, that vanilla is so so pleasant. Um, at the beginning, I I said this is kind of like a Neapolitan ice cream blended into a into a stout. I stand by that. But it's velvety now that it's warmed up. Uh, the it's it's very very rich, but not in the traditional like coffee and dark chocolate that a stout normally has. It's a much I don't want to say lighter bodied, but lighter flavors. You're not you're not thinking of like those rich dark flavors. You're I I'm picturing more. White chocolate and vanilla, and 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 vanilla ice cream, and and things like that, but in a stout, and it's fantastic. I see. Here's some beer
1: science for you, real quick. Are you ready for this? I'm ready. So when you pulled that beer, and and you had it chilled originally, right? hmm So you pulled that beer out of the fridge or the ice box, or what have you? And, and yeah, you my fridge pour- is at forty-two. You pour it 42 degrees yep. Fahrenheit for those of you following along, not Celsius. That would be ridiculous.
0: 8C for those <laughs> playing the home game.
1: So um, you uh, pour your beer into a glass. Now, all of us, we know a little bit of physics, right? We know that things that are cold tend to condense, things that are warm tend to expand. So you have something 42 Fahrenheit, you put it onto your tongue a very sensitive organ Jeff and uh, you see as it is cool you are getting more flavor per uh, taste bud this is a known fact and because of that you are sensing the denser darker richer flavors uh, and and not only that but you are sensing them more intensely now as the beer opens up as it comes to room temperature warmed not only by the ambient temperature but by the heat of your hand
0: for those looking for a definition of satire this is
1: (laughs) but there are people that believe me but i do also think that maybe maybe this could be a barnyard science reason why you're tasting these other flavors now because now it's opened up so you're getting less flavor per square inch of your tongue and uh, so you're getting the lighter flavors.
0: No, because it tasted like vanilla before and it still tastes like vanilla. Um, Don't take this away from me. I
1: had everyone there.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what I'll say is uh, your tongue cannot taste extremes. Your tongue loses taste when things are too cold or too warm for you to sense fully. Um, and so room temperature a la you know, mid-range body temperature, something between sixty and one hundred and twenty, is where you taste things most. That's why Corona tastes terrible at room temperature. It's because when it's at thirty-six Fahrenheit, you don't care because all you're tasting is <laughs> crisp Mexican lager. I and by the time and by the time I'm it sixty <laughs> and by the time it hits sixty F, you're going ah, uh, this is vile. Because you're tasting all those cheap ingredients come out and i say that for like every domestic lager that's out there not to pick on corona but i'm picking on corona
1: so my science stands because as your beer is warming up your all of the expensive ingredients are coming out yeah yeah i've never had somebody win a debate for me but thank you <laughs> Anyway. <laughs> uh, just best with
0: you. Enough of that. A uh, little bit of NVIDIA news for us. And that is that reportedly the RTX 3080 20 gig, as well as the 3070 16 gig the, and the 3070 Ti have all been canceled. Now, these were only rumored to exist anyway. And so I'd put their announcement as... Rumored, but uh, apparently, because of uh, fab issues, because of a lot of different circumstances surrounding this launch, um, the 3080 20 gig, 3070 Ti, and 3070 16 gig models have all been cancelled. Now, the 3060 Ti launch remains the same sometime in mid November. Um, We already know the 3070 8-gig launch was pushed back two weeks to October 29th, so it should launch, you know, eight days from today. Um, Will it be available? That's a great question. More at 11. Um, But for the content creators who were finally looking for, especially people who dabble with Premiere and high-end CAD, on a pro and semi-pro level, um, the the creators who need to encode 4K video on the weekends um, and high bit rates and things like that, um, the the possibility of a five hundred dollar consumer graphics card with sixteen gigabytes of GDDR six was tantalizing. Um, I certainly wanted one. I, I I, would look to replace my 2080 straight up um, because my 3080 does push the limits of its eight gigabytes of VRAM. Quite a lot <laughs> when I'm in Premiere. Um, I'm editing usually uh, ProRes LT is what I shoot most of my videos in. Um, it's a pretty bandwidth and memory intensive codec. Uh, something like 240 megabit or something like that. And when you're dealing with uh, a 15 minute file is 48 gigabytes. Just to kind of put that in perspective. 15 minutes, 48 gigs. That's
1: why I'm an audio guy.
0: Right. Um, I've, I've done ProRes... Uh, light before as well. Um, and that was still 24 gigs for, for 15 minutes of recording or something like that. Say tantalizing again, tantalizing. Um, but the memory usage does creep up on your video card, especially when you're editing a lot of different clips at once. The more effects, the more transitions, the more clips you have in your timeline, the more memory it uses. 8 gigs sounds like a lot, it's really not when you get into the pro realm. And as of today, the cheapest way to get 16 gigs of VRAM has been the Navi 7, if you could get a hold of one, or the Radeon 7, with 16, 16 gigs of GDDR6. And it was $700 at launch and difficult to find after that. Beyond that, it's been the 1080 Ti and the 2080 Ti with 11 gigs. Or it's been the Quadro cards with 16 and 24 starting in around the $2,500 range. So there really hasn't been a consumer choice below $1,200 that delivers you more than 8 gigabytes of video memory. Um, So, yeah, I was sold on... Well, I was sold on getting a 3090. I want a 3090. I still want a 3090. I want to put a 3090 in my rig because my main rig is a 4K display. It's what I want. (laughs) But saving for that, if I can get a 3070 with 16 gigs of video memory, I'm sold. I'm sold. I'm sold. I'm sold twice on Tuesdays. Um, So, yeah. Waiting for the Craft Computing 2080 Signature Edition to be sold as soon as Jeff gets his 3090. Uh, you know what? I'll put that up for auction. I'll sign my my 2080. Uh, Radeon 7 was uh, was HBM. Yeah, you're right. You're correct. It was HBM2 actually. Um, so yes, you are correct. I misspoke. Um, I banned all domestic loggers for my birthday party, but allowed Corona because of that. Didn't the seven have HBM? Yes, the seven had HBM. Get off my damn back! Gosh, have you ever been live for two hours straight with a ten percent beer? Because I have.
1: Um, gets to be a challenge that last.
0: Gets to be minutes. a challenge. Remember, all this is is from memory. Um, screw the thirty seventy. I love my S three verge. <laughs> um i have right now a pentium pc in my garage a pentium 233 with an s3 verge on board two megabytes of s3 verge (laughs) graphics oh yes so yeah um a little disappointing i'm hoping nvidia eventually does release those cards with higher video memory that will let people like me have more video memory for Premiere and for making content because it is a struggle. Um, Epos Vox shoots in RAW on a 5.6K Ursa Mini Pro. He shoots in RAW. You want to talk about bitrate. You want to talk about memory usage. That boy's got me beat. So yeah, there are people out there that shoot in RAW. You know, even Blackmagic Pocket Cinema Camera 4K shooting in, in ProRes Raw or Blackmagic Cine Raw. Those are high bitrate files. Those are very, even if you compress them, even if you do a, a four to one compression or an eight to one compression, it's a lot of data to chew through. Chew through. There we go. Um. Yeah. So Packard Bell? No, not a Packard Bell. Gosh, who do you think I am? s3 for life my first chip i bought with my own money was a amd one gigahertz thunderbird nice um i did have a one gigahertz thunderboard i i had a 1.1 gigahertz thunderbird um <laughs> yeah how much storage does Z fox have a lot i think he has in the neighborhood of like 300 gigs but i i'm quoting off memory i can ask him he's probably awake Let's see. Epos Vox. Someone on stream (laughs) wants to know how much storage you have. There we go. I asked him. (laughs) We'll see what he says.
1: Answer tomorrow morning.
0: He's up. He's awake. He's awake. It's only 1236. He's awake.
1: I guess... You might have to come join the Discord for $1 a month to get your answer in the after show.
0: That's right. Pocket Cinema 4K is going to be my Christmas present to myself, most likely. Nice. I love the Pocket Cinema 4K. Um, and I was kind of sold on it, but I also wanted more of a cinema body. I I don't like the design of the Pocket Cinema 4K. It's too mirrorless camera-y. It's not ergonomic. It's not buildable. Um, You have to put a cage on it, and the cage always feels weird on on that form factor of camera, in my opinion. Um, I want that form factor of camera to come back. I want the VG-10 to come back. Uh, I want docu-style cameras to come back, Um, because those are freaking amazing. Um, I would convert everything if Sony made a an A seven III in a docu camera style, I I'd, I'd be a Sony fanboy from here on out. Um, so I was looking at the the Pocket Ciné four K. I ended up uh, buying the Zcam E two, which was a still a a four K raw Micro Four Thirds style Ciné body, but. You can build it out. And and the feature set of the, the the Z cam E2 was just more. You could shoot in 4K at 160 FPS. Uh no crop. Endless recording. Uh you can re- uh both cameras you can record directly to a USB C SSD, uh, which is amazing. You mean you're not a Sony fanboy already? I'm not a Sony fanboy. I've never have been a Sony fanboy I've shot on a lot of Sony cameras um, but I wouldn't call myself a Sony fanboy I I record on a Zcam for crying out loud um but uh, yeah, uh, a rumored uh, rx 6900 XT with 16 gigs of ram isn't enough for you it absolutely is enough for you and I'll tell you why it's because uh, AMD is finally getting on board with standard encoding metrics. Um, yeah, you don't give me that look, um, (laughs) (laughs) um, but, uh, yeah, there will be AV1 encoding on the RX 6000 series graphics cards, and pretty much every single program is going to adopt that, whereas everyone has already had NVNC baked in. They will, uh, what is Jeff recording on right now? Shut up. Shut up. It might be a Sony ZV-1. It's a good camera, okay? And I replaced my Sony A5100.
1: (laughs) Guys, he is not a fanboy. But I'm not a fanboy. Okay, he's a Sony shill. (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) You know why I bought
0: this? Because the autofocus is freaking amazing for a webcam. Look at that. That's pretty good. Like, boom, 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 yeah, boom. Yeah. It's because yeah. I can do crap like this and show you how good my beer looks in frame. Uh, uh, uh. Yeah, but, right, your depth of field is, like, nine feet. That's not that impressive.
1: Uh, nine feet's generous. <laughs>
0: look at this. Blurry background. Oh, look at that. Jeff's blurry. Oh, now oh, he's not. Oh, oh, now he is. Oh, oh now he's not. Oh, oh. oh, now Jeff's slightly blurry. Oh, look at that. Oh, getting blurrier. Hold on. <laughs> Oh, oh, oh!
1: Yeah. Fine. That's very impressive, you Sony yep. fanboy, you.
0: I wanted a run-and-gun camera. The Sony ZV-1 fit the bill. And I bought the Sony ZV-1, full retail. Before um, you were a fanboy. We get it. Before I was a fanboy. To replace all the other Sony cameras that I had. <laughs> um, but if Canon made a camera with that style autofocus and and... This usability and everything else, I'd buy a Canon, I'd buy a Panasonic, I'd buy a Nikon, I'd buy whatever. I I, I stand by cameras the same way I stand by operating systems and the same way I stand by equipment and, and vendors and manufacturers. They're tools to accomplish a certain job. And whoever makes the best tool is who I will buy. So the
1: fact Sony that Sony has the best pocket the best. camera right now. Sony has the (laughs) best
0: pocket camera right now and the a7S III is definitely the best video camera that's out right now, although it's in a form factor that I don't like. I don't want a mirrorless style body. I want a docu-style body. I want that. Make that and I will buy it. You can charge five grand for that over the 3,800 price of the a7S III. I will buy it.
1: You know, we walked around, for those of you guys watching, follow it along at home. We walked around CES for a week. And we finally made it to the camera showroom. And I hadn't seen Jeff that happy all week.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Walked by the Canon booth and all their cine glass.
1: And he's got the reps like walking him through it as though he was walking out of there with something, you know? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, God,
0: yeah. They had their... 8 to 180 millimeter lens.
1: Oh, I'm pretty sure I saw his pupils dilate when we were looking at lenses.
0: <laughs> You're not wrong. Um, so, for those who don't know, those playing the home game, um, I actually worked in a camera shop for about two years right out of college. And I sold glass, I sold lenses. And so. Jeff circa early to mid 2000s. I got to play with every Canon L series lens out there and every Nikon, you know, mega gold band glass and uh, whatnot. And I became an absolute lens whore. <laughs> <laughs> we'll love you long time for glass.
1: That's, that's, me.
0: <laughs> um, yeah.
1: So, I heard an old jazz guy one time. This just stuck with me. I'm not a camera person. By the way, we are
0: way off the rails right now, and I don't really care.
1: I'll make this quick, but I heard this old jazz guy. In every sense of the word, like you're imagining like Riker playing trombone on board the Enterprise. Just to bring it full circle to Star Trek. Um, give me warp and a factor of five, six, seven, eight. Yeah. (laughs) And, uh, he was, somebody was showing off a camera lens to him and his comment on it has always stuck with me as like the coolest, like, Hey, maybe I don't know what you're talking about, but I'm on board. And he said, that is one fast piece of glass. (laughs) No,
0: uh, that's a real thing because fast means large aperture, which means lets a lot of light in, which means fast shutter speed. Fine. (laughs) <laughs> so. um my sigma 1835 is a fast piece of glass because it's an f-1-8 all the way through oh oh we got ret kitty on board
1: i'm gonna eat kitties nuke says he has
0: a nikor oh 55 millimeter f1.2 that is god tier glass oh um i've sold a couple of canon 50 mil f1.2s myself Um, we had a couple in and I sold them. Uh, and I also sold some of the original 1DS, uh, some of the first full frame cameras that Canon had. They had the 1DS and then later on they came out with the 1DS Mark II. So it was a, I want to say an 11.1 megapixel and a 16.7, if I'm remembering my specs correctly, but it was their first two professional camera bodies. And here's how old the specs are. Um the there was also the 1DS which was um their sports photography. It was still a 1.3 crop, but it was somewhere between an APS-C and a full-frame camera. It was this weird middle ground and it shot 8 frames per second. That was the sports photography camera of the day. <laughs> My freaking ZV1 shoots 20 frames per second. <laughs> <laughs> <coughs> I've seen a Zeiss uh, F0.7. Ooh. I've seen the Canon F095, or the 090, uh, the 50mm the 090. Uh, Canon Nifty 50 F1.4 is the fastest. That's a pretty good lens. I've I've owned one of those before. I also owned one of the original metal mount EF F1.8s. Uh, that was a great lens, pre-USM. Yeah, say for work for... lens <laughs> shot tonight. Yeah.
1: See, the you guys guy... got me started. See the same guy that, that 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 used that fast glass terminology which made me think it was made up. And I'm sorry to all the camera enthusiasts. No, it's not made up.
0: That's a yeah. I know
1: now. I know now. I'm one of you now. Uh just kidding. But uh he also used the term sky piece to refer to a hat, so you know, that's why I thought fast glass was made up.
0: <laughs> nope, fast glass is not made up. <laughs> Uh, my best is a Sam Young Rokinon 85 f1.4. I've owned that lens before. That is quite a good lens. Um, I do have an, a 135 f1.8 uh, Minolta MD mount um, in my collection. I'm trying to think of what else I have. Uh, I've got a Tamron 1750 f2.8. I've got. Uh, I've also got the Tamron 28 to 80 full frame f2.8. Um, which is a great lens. I've had a lot of good lenses in my day. I've had the Canon uh 25 24 to 105L. I had one of Sigma's EF uh 24 to 70 with the freaking 82 mil <laughs> uh filter size on it. Um that was a beast of a lens, but I an autofocus motor that got there by like Thursday. <coughs> <laughs> it was kind of the autofocus procedure with that lens. Um <laughs> But razor sharp once it, once it landed. Um, yeah. Helios 44s are fun. I've never owned a Helios 44. Um, I've thought about buying one a couple of times just to adapt it to various different things. Um I did own a Canon 70-300DO to lens for a very short time. Uh, for those who don't know, that's the diffractive optics. That was their pancake-style 70-300 to that went from, like, this tall to, like, this tall. (laughs) With the green band, which I think they only ever used on that lens. They were trying to make, like, an entire line of DO lenses, which was a half-step above USM, but also a half-step below their L-series red band. Um... And uh, it didn't really pan out for them because they figured out the only lens that they could make a super zoom in that style was the 70 to 300. <laughs> so. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's get into some other news here. Um, we got a couple quick beer notes uh, to get to. And that is that a brewery in Missoula, Montana is giving away free beer along with your flu shot. So if you go on and get a flu shot, which is covered by most medical insurance at full cost, you can also get a free beer. Um, So this was a collaboration between Cranky Sam's Public House and uh, a pharmacist with Farm 406 in Billings, Montana. So Missoula, Montana and Billings, Montana. Um, And the deal was pretty simple. Show up, get a flu shot, get a coupon for a free beer. Love it. Now you should all be getting your flu shots anyway because especially this year year. year. (laughs) um although if we're not going out nearly as much and we're already wearing masks the likelihood of getting flu is a lot less but you should still get the vaccine because it will still keep everyone around you safe that's the way vaccines work
1: it's probably a good idea just in case right i got mine it was fast and easy
0: yep and I have not gotten mine yet, but I will probably be going out this next week to do so. So, um, I will say anecdotal news from Australia is that the flu season for them, which happened six months before us, because Southern Hemisphere, Northern Hemisphere, um, Naturally. was actually almost record lows for yeah. for flu outbreak because everyone is wearing masks and taking precautions and yeah. doing the things they should to stop the flu distribution of viruses like the flu, like influenza, like COVID nineteen. Yeah. Who would See? have known basic health keeps you safe?
1: See, I uh I had somebody in my life who uh sorry, gotta bring out the shaker because the dang kitty cat. Uh somebody in my life was like, oh I'm just getting over something. It was a bad cold. I uh, could have been the flu. I was laid up for like a week. I was like, how in the earth did you catch anything? Right. You like I haven't gotten sick in a year. I haven't been sick since like December. <laughs> yeah, same here. I, I literally don't or think maybe, I got sick.
0: no, I think it was November.
1: I think for me it was September, or October. Because like yeah. I got done working in the outdoor season with a lot of people, and then I was home a whole bunch, and then I had a kid and was like at home. And then the pandemic hit. But it was like I'm thinking, you should be wearing a mask. You should be washing your hands and you should be distancing. Mm -hmm. What did you not do to get laid up in bed for a week? Right. To catch
0: something. Right. (laughs) It's like, were you were you licking doorknobs? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Like. I was gonna say, were you licking the bus stop flags?
1: right exactly it's like what is the most touched up sharing needles i mean what was going on it's gotta be something i was blown away and they didn't understand why i was so floored because i was like look i gotta go out into public i'm working in a cramped office and all this sort of stuff and even then i don't think i'm gonna get sick (laughs) like i feel good i got hand sanitizer there's lots of soap everywhere to wash my hands everybody's wearing masks we're all distancing and being smart. I don't expect I'm gonna catch a cold for a long time. Now I am I am noticing like allergy type stuff a little bit more. Like this is something i never noticed before since I haven't gotten sick and I'm wondering if it's related. Um, beer, like I just had two Rainiers tonight so far. Uh, my face is plugged up. Does anybody else get that? And I swear, it has to be because my immune system is just like, well, what are we going to do? Huzzah, let's fight this. Uh, <laughs> we're so bored. I, I will
0: say I have terrible allergies. Um, my nose runs nine months a year. Just right. constant flow. Right. Um, it's just, it is what, what it i is. I've, I've done Claritin. I've done Allegra. I've done all kinds of different seasonal allergy medications. My nose runs nine months a year is yeah.
1: what it is yeah well regardless um yeah if if you uh are not able to like stay home and stuff go get your flu shot it's super super easy and painless and even if you don't have insurance there's lots of affordable options like look at your county health department i know right county uh well jeff doesn't live in my county strangely enough uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh we we're, we're three miles city. apart yeah right i know the same <laughs> city but uh but uh but my county, uh, the health department has lots of options for people who are not covered or cannot otherwise afford a flu shot. Um, yes, and it's 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 so easy and generally safe. And they have options for. And, you know, if you can't get one, um, then the rest of us will get one so that you don't catch the flu. So. Food for thought, yes, it's like voting, which is also easier than ever this year um, with all the early voting and vote by mail options.
0: And uh, I I love all the the talk. Voting by mail doesn't work really because in Oregon we've been doing it for like thirty years. Yeah, and it freaking works. Yeah,
1: they're like voting by mail doesn't work. I was like, um, weird. Like we get like thirty percent. Yeah, the, everyone everyone's
0: like, you know, we only get thirty percent turnout. And we don't know why. Really, in Oregon we like like seventy percent, and that's because Whoa. we get our ballots mailed to us via the DMV. Yeah. If yeah. I have a license, I get registered to vote, Strange and I get my shit. ballot. Two months
1: in advance, Strangely, and I'm I mail it in at my leisure. I have sometimes failed to update my address. I still get I my still ballot. I still get a right ballot. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's so easy here in Oregon, and it should be that way. And people, you get thirty percent voter turnout. It's like, well, that's because you know you got one uh, one uh, polling station in your county of two million people. <laughs> it's like, who's going to wait in line for that? Uh, yeah, if you can, you should encourage your uh, local... Almost like that's deliberate. Yeah. Hmm. God, strange. Mm. There's a whole rabbit hole here that we could go down. But I will mm. say about that, I was really... But I'm impressed. not getting
0: political. I'm not, not getting political. We're not. No, we're not. I'm just saying I'm just saying. go vote. That's all there, I'm
1: saying. Arnold Schwarzenegger did a really cool thing. And regardless of where you fall on the, uh, on the political spectrum, he came out and was like, yo, if... Keeping these uh, voting areas and polling stations open is an issue of cost. Pick the phone, call me, and I will fund every single one that you want to close. It's yep. like, dude, what a badass. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, anyway, um, I, I was wondering about that with, with the whole beer uh, and vaccine thing. I was like, I wonder if that's like a regional thing, because I don't think that would fly <laughs> in oregon because like people get vaccinated and all this sort of stuff i don't know anyway it's yep. missoula. so uh yep. go get your free beer if you are in missoula baby beautiful that's
0: stuff. right uh five donation from denver by the way i missed this one a couple of minutes ago uh here's the sony htc 4800 fund oh i wish oh, oh yeah i
1: wish oh <laughs> well, you take that five dollars you put it away
0: and in a year and a half, I'll have
1: six hundred and fifty. Chain of trust by mail is not good enough. Uh, yes, it is. Don't know yes, what to tell um, <laughs> you. Um, I, I you, verified my ballot today. It's already been counted.
0: Right. Um. Yeah. If uh, here's the deal: the chain of trust in the mail is better than the chain of trust between you and your neighbors. It's better than the chain of trust between most entities you deal with day to day how's that
1: well here's the thing you're you're afraid to put it in your mailbox and put the flag up drive it down to a drop box. yeah i i you know I the lock my drop
0: yeah you know the lock drop boxes yeah. that only the oregon voting statute picks
1: up yeah uh my i i took both my wife and i's ballot down to the grocery store the local iga where they have hosted drop mm-hmm. boxes since the inception of ballot yeah. voting Um, I wouldn't do that if I had to drive really far, but the grocery store is right by my house and on the way to work.
0: Yep. We got our ballots in this week. We're filling them out. I'll probably have them out next week.
1: Baller. Baller status.
0: Yep. Uh, All right. Not political at all. Uh, moving no, right along. Nothing. Uh, so the Great American Beer Festival happened 100% virtually. Um, and out of the 91 categories, Oregon won 22 awards um, within the, uh, the the Great American Beer Festival. Now, this is normally an in-person festival. This is normally a, a pretty large convention. Uh, this year, it was obviously all virtual for various reasons. Um but uh, there were 272 awards issued. Oregon, t- my home state, sorry, we're going to talk about Oregon a little bit here. Oregon yeah. took home 22 of them, uh, including a clean sweep in a couple categories, which is like, heck yeah. Surprisingly, not IPA. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, the age of IPA in Oregon's over. Thank God.
0: Right. Uh, we're finally starting to dabble in some other uh categories um but uh yeah there, there's some good stuff in here uh link down in the video description if you want to find out what breweries in your state won for whatever category but we'll go ahead and look at Oregon here um Oregon won the number one uh American style wheat beer with the whoopty woot from Wild Ride Brewing in Redmond Oregon uh they have the top Belgian style Abbey Ale because of course we do <laughs> I'm actually surprised we didn't clean sweep Belgian style Abbey. I'm really shocked. Uh, it was a uh, uh, monkless Belgian ales in Bend, Oregon. One with the DeBell or nothing. Uh, Ex novo, the Pearl Haggard. I actually drank that one on the show, probably about two months ago. Uh, one for the best Bohemian style Pilsner.
1: <laughs> Love it. <laughs> I didn't know that was
0: a category, but apparently it is. Yeah, well,
1: um, you know, they get niche.
0: Right. Uh, Three Creeks Brewing out of Sisters, Oregon, a town with a population of 900 people, won the best fresh hot beer in America. Wow. How's that?
1: Yo, I love the, Three Creeks Brewing too. With so. the Cone
0: Liquor IPA. That's a good one. Yeah. Uh, and then Oregon took the gold in the uh, Kolsch with, uh, obviously Freem with their Kolsch. Classic. Uh, Winning the gold, Uh, German style ale, Brickside with their Brickside Gose. Oh,
1: that's my favorite Gose too. Isn't it good? good.
0: Isn't it good? And kudos to Um, John
1: Schubin for introducing that to me at his tap house.
0: Um, Surprisingly enough, we only won the bronze in the pumpkin beers. So John was a little disappointed there. But Rogue Ales and Spirits, so Rogue Brewing,
1: Uh,
0: one with their Pumpkin Patch Ale, a third place. Apparently, Oregon is now the state of the specialty saison, as we did a clean sweep in the saison category. (laughs) Uh, Farmhouse uh, Cuvée from Alesong Brewing and Tasting Room in Eugene. Seeds of Infinity from Coldfire Brewing in Eugene, which is a fantastic brewery. And then uh, Obescience from uh, Von Ebert Brewing in Portland. Uh, Won gold, silver, and bronze in the special saison category. So if you're a saison fan, apparently Oregon is now the place to
1: be. Yeah, I'm not, but I don't mind them. So uh, let's do it. I'm down. Colche in Oregon, absolutely. Month? Yeah. Oh, we. I don't know
0: if I do a saison month, but maybe a season a saison week would be per, kind of fun. Um, but uh, uh, Nicholas says colche is in Oregon. Um, Rogue makes an incredible Kolsch. Uh, and I'm actually surprised they're not on this list as having meddled because their Kolsch is phenomenal. Yeah. Um, although Freem is what's really known for for the Kolsch around here, um, and they did in fact take the gold. Yeah. So well,
1: and see, right and it doesn't obvious to me because a lot of people are like Kolsch, what? That's a German thing. I grew up in a German town in Oregon. Um, right. So to me, it seems natural. I don't know how big of like a German settler like population there was in Oregon, but where I came from, like German beer and German culture and German heritage was like the standard.
0: Yeah, they they have German style buildings, and including <laughs> having a German style uh, amphitheater as well as a convention center, yep. as well as hosting an Oktoberfest every year.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and in fact, we have a a, a German-style Glockenspiel that is uh, the biggest in the world outside of Munich. Um, So there you have it. Yep.
0: Uh, Wait, FreeNAS is now not BSD, Sea Turtle? Uh, Sea Turtle, uh, no. FreeNAS, or TrueNAS, is still BSD-based, but they're also creating a new branch of TrueNAS called TrueNAS Scale, which is Debian-based. And so they're expanding their original system with a new kernel. Uh, Their base OS, TrueNAS, TrueNAS Core, and TrueNAS Enterprise, uh, which is now what used to be FreeNAS and TrueNAS, is uh, still BSD-based. And then TrueNAS Core, or sorry, TrueNAS Scale is Debian-based and is gonna be a lot more friendly to a lot more technologies. In fact, uh, that was a news item that I was gonna include in here, but we kind of ran out of time, obviously, because it's 10.03 with two news items to go. Um, But uh, TrueNAS Scale is aiming to be more of a general purpose and integrated based operating system. So you can use it with a lot more systems on the same thing. You can integrate it with KVM and VMware and Xen. You can integrate it with full GPU compute servers. You can do all kinds of different things, running TrueNAS at the core of your of your Debian-based kernel and then branching off of standard, you know, virtualization and other compute-based systems off of that. I'm doing a terrible job of explaining it, but that's the general idea. <laughs> anyway, uh, we got two more quick stories to get to. First off... Um, I feel like I lost this bet, but I feel like I lost it on a technicality. (laughs) And that is that Sonic the Hedgehog is the number one grossing superhero movie of 2020. (laughs) Uh, It is the first non-Marvel superhero movie to win the award since 2008 when The Dark Knight (laughs) won the the title with... uh, a revenue of $1 billion, Sonic uh, posted an earnings of $306 million, although it is noteworthy that Marvel Studios uh, postponed both of their releases. That is uh, Black Widow and... What was the other one? Black Widow and Eternals, uh, Marvel Eternals, Uh, From a 2020 release to a 2021 release due to the global pandemic. And Sonic happened to come out in January, before the pandemic really took hold in the United States. Um, So, Sonic the Hedgehog, the number one grossing superhero movie of 2020.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that uh, kind of sums up... So, sorry, we're talking about voting in the uh, Discord. Uh that about sums up 2020 to me. Like dude, I'm so stoked for Ben Schwartz who's like a legit, awesome, funny human being. I haven't seen Sonic yet, have you? I have not. But it so like the fact that it's like the highest-grossing superhero movie of 2020 is like a I'm just like yo. We broke out of the the MCU circle of funk. But also how 2020 that it's Sonic that got literally nothing but crap leading up to its release including
0: you know. on this channel
1: right yeah call I mean, me skeptical as hell yeah i mean i think it honestly goes to show more that there just wasn't that many releases this year um mm-hmm. and you know there was a lot of stuff i think that mcu had planned on pushing this year that they pushed back uh, maybe not in theaters per se but um but, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, PC is saying, have you seen the Netflix specials, uh, from Ben Schwartz? Uh, yeah. They're really funny. Anybody who loves improv comedy should go check them out. They do long form improv and it is like the best I've ever seen. It's so funny.
0: Yes, absolutely. All right. One last very quick news item to get to, and uh, it's a cyber t- Cyberpunk 2077 news item that dropped today. Um, so, one of the most anticipated games in the last couple of years, Cyberpunk 2077. Uh, made news for going gold. What was it, a week ago? I want to say it was last week that we announced it was going gold. Um, that it is finalized. Production has been finalized. CDs are being, are being uh, stamped right now and uh, digital distribution is being seeded, and you will be able to buy it and download it on November 19th. Um, But one of the hallmarks of Cyberpunk 2077 is that it's going to be available in 10 different spoken languages at launch. Now, typically, when you do game animation, and uh, this is something that you've probably dabbled in a little bit, Rhett, or at least no part of the industry. I know you I know you know a couple of voice actors and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, when you do animations for a video game, you do the animations in English, and then you dub over them in whatever language they're going to be in. And sometimes that language goes over or under the animation scene, and the timings may not work out yeah. thematically or cinemographically. With the scene you're trying to convey, yeah. um, and so emotions on the on the actor's face can happen at weird times. Um, there can be weird cuts in in transitions from one person to another. There can be yeah. misdubs with the lips, etc. And, and et often
1: too, they have to sometimes change the meaning of whole passages of phrases in order to use words that best emulate.
0: Words. In order to fit the time code of yeah. what the cinema. Of what the cinematography in the English version of the game was meant to be. Yeah. Well, Cyberpunk 2077, CD Projekt Red, went about it a little bit different way. They let AI decide how to time the cutscenes and sync the lips for all 10 languages at launch. So... All of the cutscenes, in-scene dialogue, uh, in-game, every single character that has a line inside of Cyberpunk 2077 was lip-synced by AI. So basically, they played it the passage of dialogue that was going to be read by whatever character in the game, and the game decided the cut points for the cutscenes and what the lips should be doing and what facial expressions the character should be giving within that certain dialogue based on cues that they can say, okay, get angry or squint your eyes here or do this or do that. Change your emotion here based on the dialogue timing. Um, And so at launch, all 10 languages are going to have fully cinemagraphed AI-backed emotion and fully read cinematography inside of cutscenes and inside of player character moments. And that is freaking cool. Yeah. If it works,
1: if it's it a works. Really great, it's a really great use of technology. Well, in fact, you can see like kind of some of the demo that they have available in that uh, in that article that Jeff just had pulled up. And uh, I think they touch on it. It's like sometimes it doesn't look as expressive or emotive as it might otherwise, but at the same time, you're bringing in a much more accessible experience to the world and that might mean a wider audience for your game it might mean more money for your studio um ultimately i think this is a really cool move i don't think that you're going to lose much right um you know at least it's not going to be anything huge like and it might not even be anything huge that they can't fix at a later date, too. You know, um, because it looks, it sounds like a, a lot of it's going to be procedural. It's going to be kind of like on the fly. Um, so I don't know how accurate that is, but um, I might have just made that up. But uh, regardless, I think this is really cool. Like, kind of a, a a tech demo. You know, let's see what the tech, where we can push the technology because um because accessibility and languages are really important to games yes um, and it might feel like it doesn't feel like a big deal to us americans or or native english speakers because like games are made for us you know um we're not you know games look right to us but imagine trying to pick up a game you know in another country you want to play it and you're from poland or something and it just looks wrong it's gonna be kind of a bummer. You're probably used to it, but like, come on! Wouldn't you want it to be a little bit more of an experience geared towards you? This is a really absolutely. Cool way. Do yeah, it whatever it your
0: yeah, whatever your native language is, I think this is a great move by CD Projekt Red. Yeah, and and a great use of technology to localize the game. Yeah. in a way that's really never been done before, unless it was purely animated for whatever native language they're they're yeah, pushing exactly. out there. Exactly. um and and to be honest I don't remember another game that's done localized animations for for cinematography like this
1: yeah I can't think of any and some people are talking about like isn't that what mocap's meant for and I don't know if they mean for like dubbing the other languages and stuff but like that's just a lot of extra work to have let's say you want to none in 10 he, languages
0: he, he, here's here's part of this none of the vocal animations were mocapped Not a single one in CD Projekt Red. It was AI implemented. That's really cool. And so they didn't, for Keanu Reeves' character, they didn't strap mocap gear onto Keanu Reeves and then record him saying the English version and then they're using AI to extrapolate to other languages. Keanu Reeves read his lines. They took pictures of his face and put him in as a character and then they let AI decide how his face needs to move for whatever language he should be speaking. Cool. And that is freaking cool.
1: Yeah. And again, that's just like a—that's like a ease, uh, you know. That's creating less work for somebody like Keanu Reeves. It's making him more accessible for games in that way. Um, it's creating less work for the studio in general. I don't know. Maybe I'm coming at it from the wrong way, and maybe ultimately I'll—I'll I'll eat my shorts. Um, everybody knows I don't buy games at launch, so I will be able to uh, watch the news unfold in real time. And
0: you got to throw me under the bus for that No Man's Sky again, don't you? <sighs>
1: I bought No Man's Sky at launch too, though. So Uh, it was No Man's Sky and Red Dead Redemption 2.
0: Yeah, but you knew it you were getting at launch. Yeah.
1: Um, You want to go there again? So Epos Vox replied (laughs) and he says he
0: hasn't tallied it lately, but he just added 180 terabytes to his collection and he's closing in on a petabyte
1: Mm.
0: of usable storage.
1: It's a really bad word. It's a horrible sounding word. Petabyte? Mm Mm-hmm.
0: It's a good word.
1: It's a very good word. There's a lot of jokes to be made. Um, <laughs> anyway. Yeah, no. Uh, this is cool. So I'm, I'm excited to see how it unfolds. Uh, I think anything that pushes technology, especially as it relates to games, um, I'm always excited to hear about that.
0: All right. I just got a super chat. Hold on. Where is it at? There it is. Big, big spoon. Big, big spoon. spoon craft please make my discord username on your discord bite my bits green as discussed and agreed upon in the lawsuit um uh, mr spoon you were not named by name in the lawsuit in fact i read the dissertation from the judge on air uh and i have no such agreement in my disclosures as to make your name bite my bits green uh from here henceforth you will be required to have Patreon red as your color unless you subscribe to the Float Plane, which will get you Float Plane Blue. Um there's also the option of expensive idea shill green, but that is a very exclusive tier, only owned by one current Discord member. And it takes a lot more than a couple dollar to donation a month to get that exclusive tier so what's the lawsuit uh jason (laughs) improperly used my name and likeness in a number of videos and i was forced to take him to court uh we finally settled on april 1st of this year uh and uh i really can't speak anymore on the matter (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of weird because craft computing we're just so wrapped up in so many binding contracts and uh yeah disclosure agreements there's I mean, so many
0: ndas wrapped into this i mean just it's working just... with
1: the mods today about what i was going to drink on on the air was kind of a nightmare we had to bring in a legal scholar from the office next door uh luckily we got these people um we're on friendly terms with so none of the none of the paperwork is is written in plain easy to understand english no it's complex legalese carl brown says no man's sky is good now yes sir it is and i bought it at launch Bought it at lunch. So, anyway, this has been
0: episode 155 of Talking Heads here on Craft Computing. Thank you all so much for watching, either live or on replay on Anchor.fm, wherever your fine podcasts are found. Uh, Rhett, do you have anything
1: Game Devs Quest related before we uh, we sign out here? Yeah, we do have one thing. Uh, those of you who follow along on anything that I do, I run a game development uh, podcast called game devs quest and one of the things that we like to do is we like to run community-oriented events called game jams those of you for the, the uninitiated among you uh should know that a game jam is when you take a uh predetermined allotment of time and you jam out a game you enter crunch time and you from start to finish create a game in its entirety or as close as you can and we host uh, one such game jam is called the OMG Jam, and it has one of the lowest barriers of entry that we can muster. There's hardly any rules or regulations on how big or long your game has to be made. It just requires that it. it has one mechanic. That's why it's called OMG Jam, the one mechanic, the one game, mechanic jam. game jam. And we are hosting the next one um, the weekend of the 6th, 7th, and 8th of November. Uh, beginning on Friday, ending on Sunday. Um, And y'all should come and make games with us if you are uh, so technologically inclined or otherwise. If some of you make art, digital art, uh, likely pixels or things like that, we can find a programmer to pair you up with. If some of you are familiar with uh, varying game engines, Game Maker Studio or Clickteam Fusion or Godot or Unity or Unreal, you are welcome to come and, and make something. And if you don't finish something, that's fine. Submit it anyway, and uh, we'll likely look at your games on a podcast, talk about them, maybe stream them on Twitch, uh, things like that. So uh, you can have any related skill to uh, game development or game design, and you are welcome to come join. We'll find somebody to pair you up with or, or, or hopefully do the best we can in that regard. So uh, you can find that, links to that, to, to gamedevsquest.com.
0: Yes, uh, and you can find links to both Rhett's Twitter and at Game Devs Quest down in the description below. They will have all the announcements pertaining to that particular game jam. So if you'd like to get a part of that, jump on it. I already said thank you so much for joining episode 155. Um... If you'd like to take part in the super secret after party on the discord, make sure to click the Patreon link down in the video description. Minimum donation of $1 per month gets you exclusive access to the discord server where you can chat with myself, Rhett, John, Steve, all of the coasts from Talking Heads and join the ever-growing community that is over there. Uh, I will be on video chat here in about another 10 minutes or so uh, for probably about an hour. And uh, you can jump on in and... Chat with me, ask me questions, or just take part in the BSRE that happens in the after show. Uh, I don't think there's anything else.
1: Don't forget to slap like.
0: Uh, yeah, slap, slap like, pow, subscribe. <laughs>
1: Qua, pa, pa. And yeah. Join the Discord. We'll catch you Do in the all, all that party. stuff,
0: join the Discord. Thank you guys so much for watching. And uh, as always, we will see you next Wednesday here at 8 p.m. Pacific time for the latest in beer and tech news. Later, all. Okay, now what do I click?
1: The bell.